Welcome to The Breadwinners, the podcast about the never-ending hustle and its impact on all aspects of our lives. From our financial life, to our relationship, to our kids, to our health, we're interested in what it takes to keep everything going. This podcast is about women, working, money, and family. And in every episode, we will consider the research and share our takes on what we're learning every day about breadwinning. And we'll ask you to share your breadwinning story. Each week, I'm joined by Jennifer Owens. She writes about working, wellness, and women, and founded the Working Mother Research Institute. And I'm joined by Raquel Ellison. She's an executive coach and management consultant who works with companies big and small to design workplace policies that work for all employees. Well, so yes, I thought we'd talk about something that is about the future, which could be right now, actually, for some people, and it's... It's what comes next with all this talk about reopening the economy. And you can't see me do it, but I was just doing air quotes. Really good for a podcast. But uh, here's the stat. Uh, Two out of three people are not comfortable with the idea of going back to their workplace right now. And in fact, workers of all ages, this is a Qualtrics survey, uh, workers of all ages from boomers to Gen Z are equally wary about returning to shared workspaces with more than 65% in every age group reporting that they're uncomfortable in doing so. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I know I am and I work from home. (laughs) Right. Right. You know, and then we have, um, I love that the Twitter CEO said, you know, never coming back again. Like, He's, they're just if your job is yeah, done at home, yeah, um, you don't have to come. Um, and I was mentioning at one point that Brett's uh, CEO has told them so they're a national organization and they have chapters in every state, and that he has said they're not opening all these offices until they can open all these offices, which is it. That's an interesting. It is, yeah. Statement too. It is. I think. Um, I think I heard that Fidelity is closing for 18 or not closing, but they're not going back to the office for 18 months. Oh, it hasn't. Uh, Facebook has put some sort of, you know, like, like line in the sand that it's at least 2021. I, that one I can't remember off the top of my head, but I know they were one of the first big tech companies to get some press on saying, yeah, it's going to be a while. So, I feel like we could just keep listing down. Yeah, but let's just go list them all. Says, we're not coming back for this amount of time. Snow day closing list. Yeah. Oh, right. <laughs> Alphabetically. It's a big question. It's a big, there are two questions, right? So one is the, I don't want to say micro and macro cause it's not, but one is the question of like, when do we come back to yeah. work? How do we decide who comes back to work? How do the organizations decide um, if they decide that coming back to work is an option for anybody? And then there's this bigger question. Like, what does that mean for the workday, what does that mean for for how we operate? Right, like yeah. I, I think it's going to change significantly. Um, you know, I think a couple episodes back we talked about whether or not whether or not the gender dynamic would change in terms of households. Um, you know, in terms of caregiving in the house and emotional labor. Uh, it's looking like based on the research we're seeing, not, that's not shifting so much, but I right. think that the, um, the question around what, like what our work day is going to look like is going to, 
is going to be a really interesting one. But in terms of coming back to the office, I mean, I think, you know, employers have so much to think about. They need to think about are there, if schools don't open, right, or if schools are remote, what what do you think these people are doing with their kids? (laughs) Right. How are they, you know, how could they possibly be? And it was hard enough with childcare with school days ending, you know, around three o'clock and that's not when a traditional workday ends. You already had that problem and we were and if you can, you throw money at the problem and you have them in after school or you have them in daycare during the day. Right. But what if that option Yeah, you can't throw money at the problem. Yeah, that there's no money that will pay for no child care because there isn't any. So right. yeah. That's a very good point. Yeah. I mean I don't you know, and elder care also I you know, I think it's just it's a really big question. I think employers are going to have to wrap that is at the core of this. You know, it, there's two pieces at the core, right? There's the risk of, of people coming in and getting sick, which is terrifying. terrifying. And then there's the risk of, um, you know, what do you, you're just going to leave your employees home caring, you know, more distracted than they would be. Right. Um, and just physically needing to be home to take care of kids or other family members. Um, so, yeah, I think that's a big question. I think, I think employers are really looking at, um, or at least I know this about a couple employers, including my own, instead of making a business case for why, you should be flexible. The business mm-hmm. case is why you should come in. Wow. Yeah. Right. Of course. Yeah. So, so it's, it's interesting, I think, to, to see organizations just flip, right? To flip yeah. to that point. There's definitely people who are coming in and talking about space. Um, you know, I don't want to say there have been concrete decisions uh, made, in, I'm sure in a lot of companies, right? Like I think they're still weighing the pros and cons, but the idea that you have to really think how much of the work that people do needs to physically be on site that cannot be replaced by any kind of technology. Right. Um, and interesting. It's a really interesting question. And I think, you know, and then there's the question of, of if, you know, if there is a physical in need for someone to be present, you need to space the different people out. You can't just say everybody on Monday comes in, right, to do X, Y, Z. Because you can't. Because you need people distancing and you need a smaller number of people coming in. So there's just these couple logistical pieces. You've got to really think about why someone needs to come in. And once they do need to come in, you've got to really think who else is coming in, right? And when? And how do they not cross paths? Um just, just fast. well, and I think about um, how, I, and I, just from what you start to see with, um, like my my mom's in Ohio. She just sent me this email uh, from her hair salon because Ohio has is opening in some ways and slowly fi- trying to figure it out. And uh, her hair salon has sent a very detailed email to to everyone to their customer base saying this is how we're going to do it and it involves like there'll be no one in the lobby you'll have to wait in your car you show up five minutes before your appointment no more no less um they're going to come get you they're going to be covered with a face mask you better be wearing a mask and Mm -hmm. and and i read that and and um and you know a it takes (laughs) this is silly but it's 
it's no, it's not fun anymore. Like who doesn't, I like to go to the hair salon yeah. and I talk to Rose and, you know, I just like, we all gossip and, and it's like, oh, you know, like we, that's a lot, but also how much of a burden on this salon yeah. to have to like come up with the rules. And I had heard someone, I don't know if you and I were talking about it, but, um, like their industry, like there are industry trade groups that are trying to navigate this for their members to say, yeah. so like the hair, hair salon trade association saying, okay, these are the best practices on right. the fly. And yeah. then saying to independent entrepreneurs, these small business salon owners, and I'm, you know, I'm just picking the one sector, but okay. Now, how are you going to execute on that? Then how are you going to ensure that your own protocols are followed? And I just read that email thinking, thank you for taking this so seriously. And, 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 you know, and the like, but also what a burden on these folks to have to figure this out. I, I don't know if you've heard from your clients and the like that they feel alone, isolated in figuring out how to isolate for coming back to work. Sure. I mean, I think, I think the piece that I want to jump on, I mean, I, you know, of course there's, there's, there's a question of isolation. There's a question of, you know, there's the people, I'm seeing a lot of people say like, I thought I was an introvert, but like, I can't do this. <laughs> and like the people who are extroverts being like, just hitting their heads against the wall repeatedly. I, I think that, um, the bigger question is kind of these industry-wide decisions that people need to make. I mean, I think, I think it's, yeah, I think it's really, yeah. I think that people, um, that people are just seeing like, what, what does it mean to do the work that I do safely? What does it mean? Where I do it and yeah. why I do it. Yeah. And what's the response? Then, then this got me thinking about the responsibility we have as individuals, which we're now already experiencing. You know, who isn't judgy if you see someone on the street without a mask? And, and I'm like, I'm going to walk across this, you know, walk back on the other side of the street or whatever. But as if we are coming back to work in some way, shape or form, the, the social compact, the safety compact between us all, yeah. you know, what is that? I think a lot about that, you know. Right, right. and and uh, yeah, I think about that a, a lot too. I, you know, what I I was gonna say this before, but what I think is is happening is we're all in all the industries, and as individuals, we are flying the plane and building it at the same time. Yeah, right? we're just trying to figure out what the rules are, but we have to go outside to go to the grocery store. Right, um, and I think you know we have to go. We have to decide whether our, you know, what's happening, whether our employees are going back to work, we need to decide. I mean, there's just so many different decisions, but, you know, it's not, it's almost like, you know, write the guidebook for coming back before you make the decision, because the decision is harder than the guidebook. (laughs) I feel like, Right. um, right. but, but I think, you know, in terms of individuals, it will be really interesting. I mean, I have definitely passed groups of individuals not wearing masks and not recently. So, so a couple of weeks ago, mm-hmm. I would say, and I've gotten mad, like mad. Yeah. And I, didn't, I didn't say anything. Um, I definitely shot some dirty looks, but I didn't say yeah. anything. It's just, 
you know, but they can't see half your dirty look. This is what I think. Like you, they can't see you smile at them because your your face is covered. Also, <laughs> they can't see how mad my dirty look. I'm a master at the you know shot dirty look, and I think all you can see is my eyebrows, and you have no idea. You know, no, fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> I think we're gonna. I think we're gonna have to have a new social cue for the dirty yeah. look. I'm telling yeah. you, <laughs> we're gonna have that. It's crazy. I would say, you know. I'm just thinking of this one couple that I saw in Whole Foods, you know, I'm, I'm like, I was checking out and I know Whole Foods is all, whatever. It's it's actually the closest one to my house. So I end up going there. It's all right. (laughs) But it's like, I I can't believe that it is. But anyway, um, so I went into Whole Foods, I'm checking out the woman at the counter, not only has her mask on and the gloves on, but one of those like shields that goes around her head. And like a, like a, like a glass thing, like a protector between us. What do you call it? Like a salad bar. <laughs> like, what do you call oh, it? Sorry. Yeah. The plexiglass we have them at, at our store too. Yeah. Right. So, but then the couple is a, like there's social distancing lines in the, like, like that Whole Foods has made, they're jumping the line. They have no masks on. <laughs> It was like, I was like, are you- and they're shopping together. You're supposed to shop, shop alone. You know, they're, yeah, yeah. the shopping together. Uh, and so now we, we've all been experiencing this in, yeah. in our, I, it's kind of like our social life is grocery store now, right. but now to put it in our work life of, of what the culture, you know, we talk a lot about culture supporting policies and benefits. And do you feel comfortable taking maternity leave do you, for the full time? Do you feel comfortable yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and all that? And it's like, you know, it'll be, do you feel comfortable not coming into work, which I, hopefully we all will now for, you know, and that we would all have more sick days. But I think the culture of like, if you're sitting there wearing your mask and the guy on your so, social distance, right, is wearing like full PPE. Yeah. And then the, the guy on your left is not wearing a mask and yet you all have to work. And it's like, and, and who controls that? Who says, you know, that'll be a culture thing, right? That is HR going to come and police people? No, they're not. (laughs) Well, as far as I know, they're not, unless they, you know, I mean, as I'm talking to HR professionals, I mean, just don't have the bandwidth for that. I think, I think there will be something when people enter buildings, um, you know, where there will be a check, you know, the place where I work, there's a security guard. I wouldn't be surprised if there was someone else at each of the doors checking, checking, yeah, you know, checking temperature, making sure you're wearing gloves and a mat or whatever it is. Um, I think, yeah, I mean, I think what's what's interesting, and we talked about this before, but you know, in terms of the norms, the problem around paid leave, um, not the problem. We don't yeah. we like paid leave, but <laughs> like we paid leave. But but the problem with the question of, and we've talked this talked about this, especially with men of taking leave, is this is this kind of social contract? Like, is it socially acceptable for them to do to do that? Because because the work right deal worker, as Bridget Schultes talked about, um, who's another guest on a on an episode that we have, who's brilliant. Um, the question of the ideal worker. Um, I think a lot of people have talked about the ideal worker, but yeah. is this idea that we, you know, every, every extra minute needs to go to work. Like we need to be, yep. we need to show 
our work first and not even first and foremost, but entirely that we're devoted and anything that that happens outside of work should not be factored in. Right. Mm-hmm. I remember when I first started coaching, I was talking to a very long time ago. I was talking to moms who were coming back and they were just hiding. Like they were like, baby, I don't have a baby. <laughs> like it was just like, yeah, right. Right. Yeah. Start a new job and be like, I don't have a school event to get to. No, it, and no. that just replicates as your child ages, by the way, if you, yeah. you know, and you will do it as a new mom, you will do it as a, as a mom of a teen. I was going to say teen mom. You probably do it as a teen mom too. Yes. That you, you try to cover, you know, you're trying to pass as someone who has no uh, complications in their life. You're trying to pass as the, you know, right. I'm the perfect employee. Yeah, completely. But, but now it's, that's absolutely an untenable standard. There's no way right. that we can be the same kind of ideal worker. It's just impossible. Um, it's impossible. I mean, there are going to be people who you know, who have, who are alone at home, um, who maybe could have, could have the time to be completely devoted, but, but that's not how it's going to work either. People need time for themselves at home. Like isolation is not, is not, you know, is not something that you can just like throw yourself into work and, and not take care of yourself. So I think that, I think that what we're going to see is this transformation of management style. And we've talked about this too, but I, I think we really have to think about this. You know, you and I have been working in the field of work life for a very long time. And there was always this business case that we had to make or that our yes. colleagues had to make, right? It results in productivity. People, you know, it reduces presenteeism. It, you know, which is sitting there and pretending working. All of that was constant. If I look back, I actually did go back to my Dropbox file. It has all my old stuff from, I don't know, like, and I was like, it was just all like the business case for flexibility. It's, it doesn't matter anymore. We don't need a business case for flexibility. Like I said before, we need a business case for not being flexible. And so I think, you know, it's, it's crazy to look at, you know, the work life, researchers you know and the, and the the kind of of kind of ex- explaining the field that has that we've all done yeah. over the past few years you're and really then, blowing my mind that that really that simple flip of that is it's oh it's a lot that is a lot and i like it it's i that's that's a bold statement i like it yeah no i mean i like it too i think but i think now what we're going to have to see is this whole new dimension of research on this topic, which is how are people relating to each other in this new reality? We're not mm-hmm. going to be able to separate work and life. You know, I was looking at the at the literature um, from Ellen Cossack, who we've talked to before, who's talked about, are you a work-life integrator? Are you a work-life separator? Meaning, do you, you know, do you like really compartmentalize your work? Do you kind of switch on and off between tasks? Do you, you know, that, those kinds of think that kind of thinking, all of that yeah. thinking may, may help us understand what people are bringing into this equation. You know, what, how people are oriented towards this before they went remote. But at this point, being a work-life separator 
you know, where you've got your work over here and your life over here, that seems like it's really hard at this point for people right, to be right. able to do. And so I think, you know, we have to think about, okay, what do we know about where, you know, what, what do we know about remote work and flex flexibility and boundary setting from before? And then now what are we seeing? And now, you know, what are we going to, what are boundaries going to look like? What are, what is leadership going to look like, right? Why, you know, I think leaders are going to have to realize, um, and I'm writing something about this, leading, leaders are going to have to realize that, that not, that sort of leaving, you know, creating a workplace culture that is exclusively focused on the work and not, you know, not necessarily incorporating your people. Right feelings and, and circumstances is not an option anymore. And if you do that, you are going to, it's not about, I mean, you will still, you will lose productivity. You will lose, you know, you will promote presenteeism, but I think it's going to be way worse than that. I think you're really looking at, I think you're looking at like unprecedented burnout, unprecedented, you know, Worried. Turnover. I mean, one. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm, I'm actually skeptical about turnover because I feel like this is, you know, and this is another thing, right? Flexibility. You know, that was an argument. Recruitment and retention. that's what I was just going to say. Yeah, right. right. That uh, that people were so grateful to have flexibility, and I've known these people I, in, in real life. You know, <laughs> friends of mine, people I've worked with, um, especially you know, at, at uh, working mother like 15 years ago, it was it was very, very new to have that much flexibility and people were grateful. And so, and thought their assumption was, I'll never find this again. And it was the flexibility benefit. I mean, there are a lot of magazines, a lot of magazines doing good work and all the departments. um, But that flexibility benefit was incredibly powerful. And man, so now we all have it. Like, (laughs) yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's going to be really interesting. So, you know, I I think that I think that the focus for companies is is not going to be on retention. I think it's going to be about how this organization is actually performing and what kinds of goals are realistic. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and I think there's certain flexibility about that in different industries and the lack of flexibility in other industries. It's not, you know, you can't be like, well, right. You know this this person didn't ship this crucial like you know like this you know the person who needed to ship the medications didn't come in that day so like whatever you know I think there's going to be ways in which um, you know industries in which they're going to have to hold the line but um, really 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 hold the line tight hold the line sharp whatever yeah, that means I don't but, but I think what, you know it's going to be different. What do you think about the the one of the early concepts I I learned about when I I first joined Working Mother was was uh, benefit equity, mm-hmm. and that you know and and we experienced it uh, at Working Mother right then because we were owned by a Swedish company and Swedish uh, um, benefits are way more extensive, especially when it comes to supporting working parents, and you know they come into the U.S. they, they don't have to do it. It's going to also cost them because, you know, what they're offering in Sweden was also subsidized by the government and um, and employee payments and, and stuff like that. So there was not – and then you learn, like, every company has this problem where they have benefit inequity from from state to state, city to city, yeah. country to country. And I'm, I'm wondering about the idea of safety equity. 
or hygiene equity. I don't know if safety is the right, but maybe yeah. it is. That like the California office, California is going to require you to do this, but another state's going to require you to do that. And I, yeah, if this may be a new concept. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, it's going to be really interesting because you're going to have companies who are facing, you know, huge shortfalls, right? Like huge financial shortfalls. But then if they don't extend the benefits, right? If they don't, I mean, I guess, you know, they could just have their employees, you know, go without, like take take time on their own dime. But I think they're really going to have to think about, you know, how to creatively plan for, you know, or, or enhance benefits in a way that is going to, yeah, that's going to support where, where the employees are now. And, you know, we, we have, I think different employers have like, um, what was it? Grief, grief PTO for, for like something. Like oh, that. oh, bereavement, bereavement. Thank you. Thank you. Bereavement that, leave. Yeah. Bereavement leave. Like, are all employers going to have, like, this is a pandemic. Wow. Is that what we're going to see? 85,000 plus deaths multiplied by, say, all the employees in that, in 85,000 um, victims' families times oh, five days of bereavement leave, which kind of common uh, amount of time. Yeah. That's a, that's a lot of time. It's a lot of time. And, but it's, it's going to be impossible for employers to just say, you know, use your sick time, use your regular PTO for this. Right. People are going to need. And yet they did. And yet they did in the early nineties when my mom uh, had breast cancer, the, I had no time off. I just started and I had to work a year to accumulate vacation time. I've told this story many times, but Uh, when I went, this is the year before FMLA, I went to my first, this is my first job out of college. And I said to them, I need to go back to Ohio and, uh, take care of my mom. And, um, like, could I do unpaid? Could I take a a leave, do something? And they said, isn't there someone else who could take care of your mother? Yeah. So I, you know, tell these 85,000 families, isn't there someone else who can, you know, and, um, yeah. God. I hope that's and so I, I, I like what you're you're saying. I always like what you're saying, but I like what you're saying and I think um I always hope there's we are learning something about well, yeah, ourselves I mean, and our workplaces. You know, what's interesting is um yeah. I mean I think what's interesting is how, which skills are we going to learn first, right? How is this? Because right. we are building the plane. We are building and flying the plane at the same time. So which of the skills are we going to be able to really incorporate right away? And which, you know, and I say we as organizations, you know, as, as employers, which, you know, are we as workers, you know, what, what are we, how is this going to take shape? Because it's going to be an evolution. It's not going to be a wake up tomorrow and everything. And have it all figured out. So And, I, and the employees have to have a voice in this too. Right. Right. And I, yeah, and, absolutely. And we don't have unions anymore. I mean, I, there are some, but the it's, it's in single digits, the number of private sector employees who are represented by a union. Yeah. So um, we need 
it, it'll be interesting, you know, like when you see the Google employees walking out to demand change in how their company is dealing with uh, what sexual harassment and the like, like these employee actions with mm-hmm. or without a union structure about them. I wonder if we're going to start to see some more of that one because people are very scared. Like this is yeah. my life is in your hands. If you haven't figured this out and I need to make a paycheck and, and it's, we're talking high, very high stakes beyond yeah. even, you know, always the paycheck is a high stake. It always is because we're supporting our families with that. But now, I mean, our lives are at stake. Our family's yeah. lives are at stake. Yep. It's man, yeah. man. Yeah. Well, on that yeah. note, <laughs> <laughs> sometimes listen, you just have to be like, and life or death question. Have a great week. <laughs> so, thank you for joining us today on the Breadwinners. Uh, we're sorry we left you hanging like that. Uh, whether a chance or choice breadwinner, we hope you enjoyed the time you spent with us and that you'll share your own story at the breadwinnerspodcast.com. You know, what are you thinking about with a return to your office or your business? We'd love to know. Please remember to subscribe to our podcast and to rate and review it. Let us know what you think about the breadwinners. Help us tell the stories that mean the most to you. And until next week, keep hustling. This podcast is part of the Sound Advice FM network. Sound Advice FM. Women's Voices. Amplified.